Welcome to America Uncanceled. I'm Mercedes Schlapp. After the return of brutal lockdowns in China, protests have broken out across the country, with these protesters demanding the CCP and Xi Jinping to step down. What kind of impact will these protests have on the future of China and the security in the region? In America, Republicans are demanding transparency after the Naval Academy has allegedly denied unvaxxed midshipmen their diplomas. Lawmakers led by Congressman Greg Stubbe say that denying diplomas to qualified midshipmen is a waste of the country's four-year investment in those individuals. Joining me now is a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, Congressman Greg Stubbe from Florida. So let me ask you this, because as we know, the Pentagon in particular, they've been obsessed with this vaccine mandate. It's led to a decrease in terms of recruitment into our armed forces. I think the number's down to like 30% less people uh, getting recruited into the armed forces. I mean, this is a fundamental problem that we're seeing happening with the Pentagon. Do you think there's gonna be a change in the Pentagon in terms of their them saying, all right, I'm gonna back, we're gonna back off on these vaccine mandates? There's gonna be a change now that we have the majority in the House because we're gonna take the appropriations process and the NDAA and put riders in there that tell them that they can't force vaccines on our service members, that they have to reinstate the individuals that have been kicked out because of refusing the vaccine on religious grounds. So thankfully we took the house back and we'll be able to force that through the NDAA. So there was a preliminary injunction that was issued by a district court early 2022. It delayed the ability uh, of the Navy to separate these unvaccinated service members seeking religious accommodations. Uh, the case is now a class action lawsuit that's still in the courts. Um, do you think that the Navy's feeling enough pressure to say, OK, wait a second, let's lay off our midshipmen. Let's just, uh, you know, get them across the finish line? Well, I hope so. Now that I've got members of the uh, Armed Services Committee joining me on this letter and um, now that we've taken the majority back, they know full well what we're going to do when we take the majority back when it comes to the NDAA and these vaccine mandates. So if they don't, uh, peel back on this, we're going to force them to through our appropriations process. So let me ask you, are you expecting a response from the uh, vice admiral? We got a response. Initially. Oh, we got a response. What's a response? This is the second responding to basically a fluff letter that didn't answer any of my questions. And now that I have members of the Armed Services Committee on that, it makes it more heightened because you have people at the committee asking the questions. Uh, so the comment from the Navy was they are aware of the letter and they're going to respond. So we'll see. Uh, I want to shift gears over to China. Uh, we've seen these unprecedented protests. I mean, some of them are just heartbreaking. Uh, uh, but you're seeing millions of Chinese going to the streets. They've had it with the zero uh, COVID policy. They've had it with these lockdowns. Uh, wh what are you hearing uh, basically on the ground in terms of how these, you know, do you think these protests are sustainable? As we know, uh, the CCP is going to look to crack down as quickly as possible and ensure that, you know, us here in America don't hear about these protests. Yeah, I mean, we have tanks, Chinese Communist Party tanks going through neighborhoods and mainstream America and mainstream uh, media isn't talking about it. You know, if this would have been a European country, it'd be all over the news right now. Right. That this right. was happening and they were coming down on their people. Uh, so I'm glad that the people of China are standing up for the atrocities that are going on there, that are standing up for freedom and for liberty. 
and uh, hopefully they'll be successful in making some change over there. But we have a White House that's completely compromised by the Chinese Communist Party and will do nothing to stop the egregious activities that go on there. Uh, as we're looking into, for example, uh, what's happening in China, it does look as if the Biden administration, I mean, I found that the president's statement was as vanilla and yep. as non-aggressive as possible. Do you think that there's a sense of fear coming from the, the Biden administration that they don't want to have to deal with upsetting, you know, their biggest threat? Oh, for sure. And the fact that he's compromised and his son has taken, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars from the Chinese Communist Party. And now Republicans are going to have the ability to investigate a lot of that stuff. Um, of course, he doesn't want to upset uh, a benefactor who's given millions of dollars to his family members. Uh, and we have a completely compromised administration. And even the leaders in the Democratic Party are aligning with Biden. On. Are you surprised that, for example, that Apple has been engaged in this process of censoring Chinese protesters where they're basically, you know, uh, closing the loopholes in this great firewall in, in terms of not allowing these Chinese protesters to get their message out? Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. Apple's more concerned about money and profits than they are about people's freedoms. And so if the Chinese Communist Party is telling them that they need to do something, they're going to do it. And uh, thankfully, again, we took the majority back and we're going to have some accountability and take away their liability protection they have here in the United States. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a big, big issue. I think another thing that we're watching, it was a story that came out uh, talking about China's swelling nuclear stockpile makes it a growing rival to the U.S. This was a Pentagon uh, report. Uh, basically, they're, they're, they're just to know that they're moving forward where China is expanding its nuclear arsenal. And obviously, their tech, military technology is becoming, I would say, even more competitive, more advanced than what we're seeing in the U.S., uh, what do you think the U.S. can do to ensure military readiness? Uh, but at the same time, I mean, do, do, does the Biden administration get it? Like, do they understand that we are just so uh, behind the eight ball? I, I don't think they do. They're so concerned about climate change and wokeness and pronouns in our army regulation <laughs> yeah. than fitness of our readiness and uh, the safety and security of the American people. Just look at the southern border as an example of that. Just look at Afghanistan as an example of that. They're more concerned about transgenderism in our military than ensuring that we have the capabilities to compete on the world scale if we need to defend ourselves. Now, it's interesting because I saw that Congressman James Comer, who, who uh, will be likely be the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, they're looking to investigate actually Biden. I know we talk about Hunter Biden and the laptop, but the idea here is to uh, really hone in on President Joe Biden and his uh, potential connections with uh, whether it be foreign lobbying or any sort of connection between what Hunter was doing in his business dealings and what the president uh, was likely involved in. Is that going to be the case? Is it, is it going to be like two different investigations? Or are they honing in on Joe Biden or are they doing both Hunter and Joe Biden? Well, I think they all lead to the president. Right. I think all of these involvements that Hunter has in these foreign dealings that his father was taking a piece of this. And I think through that laptop, there's evidence that that was going on. And uh, that's illegal. You can't be using your position, your official position, to make money for yourself and your family. And I think through those investigations, we'll bring that information before the American. In addition to the investigations, it was interesting. I got this question yesterday. They were like, well, 
Are the, are the House uh, majority, uh, Republican majority now, are they going to be so honed in on investigations that they're going to you know, take their eye off the ball when it comes to the economy and other issues that we know are important? Border crisis, for example. I mean, I literally think you can walk and chew gum at the same time. Um, what is your thought when you're talking to constituents, if they're asking that question, are you guys all going to be so investigation focused? What's the response there? What's the messaging there? Well, look, Joe Biden's the president. We can't change that till 2024. Right. So obviously a, an immigration bill that we pass, which we will, uh, will not probably pass the Senate and be signed by Joe Biden. But what we can do is use the appropriation process to accomplish policy objectives by putting riders on all the appropriation bills that, for example, you can't force vaccines on our service members. You can't kick people out of the service for vaccine mandates that not a single dollar of the immigration fund for Homeland Security shall be used to allow an illegal immigrant to come into our country. So there's things that we can do from a policy perspective through the appropriations process and accomplish those goals while we do oversight in those committees. So I know one of the big uh, conversations also is what the moving forward with the impeachment of uh, the Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Obviously, there's been huge failures on that end alone. Um, you know, do, is there a sense that that can happen? Will that be able to happen under the I, new Republican majority in the House? I know uh, sitting on the Judiciary Committee and talking to Jim Jordan, that's a plan that we have. Um, but you don't want to have expectations too high because you need 60 votes in the Senate to remove them. Right. Even if we impeach him in the House, um, I don't know if you get, what is it, 10? Well, you would have all you'd have to have all 50 Democrats. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least 10 Democrats vote to remove yeah. him from the Senate. I don't know if you get that. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think, one of the biggest challenges we had. Look, I, I want to ask you also about the midterm elections. Obviously, uh, there was, you know, I, I have to say, I think so many of us were expecting the red wave. There seemed to be a lot of energy on our side. I, you, like Matt and myself, we were traveling across the country. We could see it on the ground, just to swell for these Republican candidates. But it just seemed like we fell short. I'm going to exclude, of course, your state, the great state of Florida, yep. where I grew up. And I would say Texas. And then we made some gains, obviously, in New York. But uh, were you surprised with how what happened Election Day? I was because what the, a lot of the people in our leadership were telling us was that we were going to pick up 20, 25 seats. <laughs> yeah. And uh, obviously that didn't happen. Right. And a lot of these moderate districts that we should have won yes. didn't win. And so it was disappointing. And I think we need to, in retrospect, look and see why we lost in some of those tough districts. You know, I got to tell you, I think one of the things Matt and I were talking about, because we were looking at, you know, the, um, you know, looking at the Georgia race, for example, I almost call it the, I, I gave it a new term. It's called the Democrat voting concierge service, meaning they go into these places. They're like, we will pick up your ballot. And by the way, we'll let you know who you should vote for. This is great. And they just have this operation that's set up in all these states. And we keep losing in all this early voting uh, activity. Uh, I'm going to, again, exclude Florida. What happens with that where Florida is able to manage this process? I did talk to a friend in Arizona, political operative in Arizona, who explained, yeah, we don't allow, you know, Governor Ducey passed and, and to stop ballot harvesting, but there's no way to enforce it. What can people learn from what you all did in Florida that could apply to these other battleground states like Arizona and Pennsylvania and Nevada? We have absentee ballots 
but they're v verified voter ID in a barcode. So they have to match your signature. They have to match your barcode for you. Mm -hmm. There's no ballot drop box. You're not allowed to ballot harvest. And so you know the way, when Greg Stubbe votes in Sarasota, it's his ballot that's being counted. Uh, and if it's not received by seven o'clock, when the polls close on election day, it's not counted. Right. None of this garbage where it goes on for three or four days. Yeah. You have security in knowing that those votes are legitimate, that there's no fraud going on because of the barcodes and the signatures in the voter ID. Wow. And obviously that's not happening in so many of these states. I look at what happened in Maricopa County. I mean, voter ID. Yeah. And the other piece of this is that you, when you go to Maricopa County, which they, hello, their one job is to make sure these voting machines work the day of the election and they can't even get that right. I mean, I just think that creates a huge distrust uh, for those voters that just wanted to go vote and get out. And then they were completely frustrated by the process. Yeah. I was watching some of the testimony of the people in Maricopa County saying that all day the machines didn't work. Um, and these were people who worked the polls. Um, we're saying even when they were testing, they weren't working, yet they still certified the election results. Uh, it certainly doesn't breed confidence in the election system that they have there. Now, as we're moving into this upcoming year, obviously Biden's feeling pretty cocky. It looks like he's going to run again for 2024. Gavin Newsom looks like he's not running Gretchen Whitmer is also backing off for now. Uh, you know, what do you think he can actually even try to, I, I don't even want to use the word accomplish, but what do you think he can get pushed through? Or, or do you think it's going to be so much focus on the executive, you know, on, on executive orders and, and pushing it along that way since we will have the House uh, of Representatives, the Republican majority? He can try, but the House as a body now can sue him on separation of powers right. issues. So like on the student loan forgiveness that he did, the body as a whole could sue him on separation of powers issues because the president doesn't have the power to do that. So I don't see what he's going to be able to accomplish in the next two years. Uh, certainly, it's not going to be anything without Republican support. Yeah. So in, in terms of the issues that seem to matter right now, uh, what's your sense on the ground? Obviously, the economy, I think, con continues to be a huge drag where people are feeling very stressed out about the increase of, of food prices, energy prices. Obviously, there's so much constraint in terms of energy using our, our God-given energy resources. Uh, what do you, where do you think we can go from there? How do we solve some of these problems that we're seeing impacting American families? Well, I would say immigration is also at the top of people's yes. list. Uh, economy, inflation. Again, we use that appropriations process that we have the power of in the House to be able to accomplish those policy objectives, to, to encourage domestic production of oil and gas, to breathe back our, our own energy production here in the United States, and to curb illegal immigration and shut down the border crisis. Do you expect, I think one of the phenomenons I've seen so far with this administration, he, he like barely, like his people, his administration, they don't talk to Republicans. Do you think you're going to see more of like, well, Greg, come over to the White House and let's have a conversation? Do you think that or is it just really going to be like they've drawn the lines? They don't want to have these negotiations or discussions. Yeah, he's going to have to because the money comes, the purse strings come from the House. Mm -hmm. So he's going to have to talk to McCarthy about where the House is on these issues. And I'm sure at some point uh, we're going to take a hard stand like shutting down the border mm -hmm. on illegal immigration. And he's going to try to decide whether to veto it and shut down the government and try to blame us. But I think the American people are with us 
on stopping illegal immigration and make that be his problem that he shuts down the government over it. Yeah, I always remember those government shutdowns. Republicans, for whatever reason, would always get blamed because the media would spend a lot of time doing that. One last question here. In terms of big tech, I know that we've seen these mono monopolies happening where Apple, Google, they just have so much power. Uh, do you think there'll be a move in that direction to try uh, either to break them up or to, you know, get them to a point where they're, to your point, that they have no liability? Yeah, I hope we pass my bill that would do away with their liability protection and watch how fast they change their behavior when people like the New York Post can sue them when they censor the Hunter Biden story. Uh, that'll change their behavior very quickly when you do away with their liability protection. And uh, I, I have pretty good confidence that we'll pass that bill. Well, I'm kind of excited because I called Elon Musk. I said he should be like Congressman Elon Musk because he's the one that wants to release all this stuff on the Hunter Biden laptop story, which all these emails, which I think is is just absolutely fascinating as well. Thank you, Congressman Stubbe, yeah, so much for, for joining me. You've got a 100% CPAC rating for 2021. I mean, how do you even accomplish that? I stay true to my conservative values. <laughs> well, we love you for that. So thank you so much for uh, joining me today. Yep, good to see you. Great to see you. And remember, we have expanded to the podcast world and you can listen to America Uncanceled with Matt and Mercedes Schlapp wherever you get your podcast. We will see you next time. God bless.